The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Over the six years that we lived in New Jersey, one of my favorite things to do when we would come back to Illinois to visit my folks would be to go into Beeson Ag, the fertilizer chemical dealer in town. Dad and a lot of the farmers in the area would go in there from about 7.30 to 8.30 and sit there and have coffee. Uh, you could tell they weren't cattle farmers because they didn't have anything better to do. No, but they would sit there and talk about everything and hang out. And, uh, I remember once, about four years ago, I had the question for them that I'd been wondering for a while, and it was, when did the news about asbestos being harmful break? Would you remember what year that was that people found out about that? And it's a typical setting like that, with a bunch of people gathered, you're going to get a bunch of different answers and sort of a collective conversation. Well, was it this? And I remember this. And no, 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 it wasn't that. It was this. And Everybody contributed a little bit and corrected a detail here and there. But then, of course, the topic was brought home, and everybody kind of knew that that was the underlying thing behind my question. You see, I went to school at our town grade school until it closed in 1994 because of the high cost of asbestos remediation and treatment. Many such cases, right? It's hard enough for a small town school to make it go, but when you add asbestos into the mix, well, it's just darn near impossible. And so people knew that. There were several members of the board there in the room, farmers, you know, just 20, 30 years removed. But they were talking about it and talking about our school. And, and as such things go, it morphed into another story. You ever been in a situation like that where the topic at hand prompts another story and just kind of it's a train all the way for the rest of the time you're together? And it was a story my mom's cousin told, and I think I've told a few of you this story, at least the men's Bible study this one before, where he, my, cousin, my mom's cousin Harry told the story about a little small town Illinois school that 
when it was coming out that asbestos was bad, the principal and the janitor took, it was a very small building, but they took, uh, I think, several days or a couple of weeks during the summer, and they completely gutted the building and threw it all away. You see, they did that because they knew if this stuff is bad, they're going to start to legislate the hill out of it. And sure enough, that's what they did. <laughs> if you get rid of asbestos, you're going to have to either pay for it or do something slightly illegal, okay? So that's what they did. They tore it all out as much as they could, the installation, threw it away, and reinstallated it with something better, and that school's life was prolonged probably for several years, if not decades. It was an interesting story when I heard it. I hadn't heard it before, and everybody likes a Cinderella story like that, don't we? But of all the things I think about in that story, the thing that stands out in my mind is the shrewdness of that principle, of that man when he decided to act as soon as he read the tea leaves and saw rightly what was going to come around the corner. What foresight he had, right? Any of you that have ever dealt with asbestos or been on a board that's had to deal with asbestos knows about it. You could argue that maybe it was a little unethical, but well, it wasn't illegal yet, so <laughs> I think it made good sense what he did. But regardless, his quick thinking and action helped secure that little school a future and, for what's worth, his own job to boot. When it comes to worldly things, people know how to be shrewd when they need to be, don't they? Sure, it's not a natural gift to everybody. All of us have many strengths or weaknesses, and different people have different ones. Some people are just better at wheeling and dealing than others. Some people are better at seeing a problem and being proactive about finding a solution. But I think at a basic level, most of us know how to look out for number one when the chips are down, when it comes to getting a job or getting a promotion inside of our job or leveraging influence to our own benefit. These things and all the rest are why we call it the rat race that everybody is living in. In many ways, this world is about killing or being killed, figuratively speaking. And so that being the case, it not only just pays to be shrewd, it's necessary, necessary for so much in life. In our parable tonight, the rich man's business manager understood that, didn't he? He was about to be in a very bad way because of his mismanagement of his master's funds. And so, what we, today I think we'd call it probably waste, fraud, and abuse, the way that this guy was living up until that. And he was about to be fired. And he realizes the plight that he's in. He's about to be fired. He can't dig. He's far too proud to go off begging, asking for help. So it's not a good situation, is it? So what does he do? Shrewdly, he does something to create for himself an insurance policy. He takes quick measures to help himself. He cooks the books, quite openly, actually. He cooks the books, he lowers the amount of things, money that the people owe to his master, ingratiating himself personally to those people. He's doing them a very big solid there, and hopefully, he's banking on it, really. They will remember it after he's out on the street, and so he is thus secure. When he's about to be in dire straits, he acts, and he acts in his own self-interest, quickly, decisively, and effectively. So what is the Lord Jesus teaching us here? What has he been teaching the church for 2,000 years with this parable? Of course, we understand that this isn't a parable sanctioning 
unethical or dishonest business practices, okay? If you find out you're about to get fired, don't steal a ream of paper or anything like that. Don't commit mail fraud too, which is what they'd probably categorize this under today for the crime, especially if it was done somehow through the mail. No, this parable is something that teaches us through comparing and contrasting the difference between the mentality of the world and the mentality of the church. That is, and Jesus says it explicitly, the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light, that is, Christians. We have an eternal inheritance and destination as Christians. Our life will be with our Creator, God, and blessedness forever. It's our ending, it is our final goal. And everything we are, everything we do in this life is moving us one step closer and closer to that eternal day. So the question is, do our lives day to day reflect that reality? Sometimes I think that Christianity seems like a part-time hobby to many of us Christians, pastors included. Or at least merely, it's one of many things that defines us, not even the chief one. There's a disconnect with what we confess that we believe and how we actually live our day-to-day lives. It could be any realm, really, whether it's following the Lord's will for the size, order, and education of our families. Or perhaps it's our zeal in living in Christ's earthly kingdom and inviting and hoping and trying to get others to join us in it. Or yes, it could be how we spend the time, the energy, and the money that the Lord has given to us. Somebody once said, well, church is my biggest priority, and the person's response was, show me your credit card statement, and I'll be able to probably find priorities that are a lot more important to you than church, or checkbook, as it were. You see, the sons of this world, they know how to be shrewd, very shrewd, with mammon, that is money, something that's fleeting and finally won't even exist. So how can we, Christians, we who belong to Jesus Christ, not exceed their zeal in matters of our eternal life, in our salvation and the things that are bringing us closer to that? If we have ears to hear, as Jesus says, then all of the parables in some way, shape, or form kind of point the finger at us as being the one out of the way or out of sorts or not where we should be. That's the law. It always convicts, right? Give a law, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're really honest, you'll see even that you have not kept and you will feel guilt over that. Today's parable is no different. Insofar as you found yourself in the context of being a Christian, specifically of being lazy, indifferent, or just wanting to find the bare minimum and to do that, repent. But as with all sins that are repented of, believe in Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. He's taken away this guilt too and pardoned it. And in the context of that forgiveness, having been absolved of your sins, as Christians, live shrewdly. Live a shrewd Christian life. The principal with the asbestos, the manager with the ledger books, they saw their problem and they acted. They took quick, decisive, and good action. As sons of light, as children of the Heavenly Father, let us endeavor to show them up with our own diligence in taking care of the things of God. 
Our end goal is far more valuable, far more lasting, far more necessary than theirs. It is Jesus Christ and his eternal kingdom. So live shrewdly and boldly as the sons that you are, that you might finally at last receive the crown of glory. In Jesus' name, amen.